0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live.
1: You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And speaking of special episodes, we have a special guest for this special episode. So hold on tight. We invite you to join us in this great adventure at ilovemyfamily.us where you will find awesome tools to help your family talk and pray, the heart of it, the heart of growing together in the heart of Christ. So I ilovemyfamily.us. Go there, join us, see what is um, available, click the donor tab, help support this ministry. But we are united in prayer and just growing the civilization of love through marriage and family.
0: So folks, we're towards the end of January 2023, and for many that may not strike you as consequential, but tonight we are going to proclaim God's tremendous gift, unfolding of life and love, taking over like a wildfire, But, but definitely facing some challenges, and God wants to engage us in the game. So we might call tonight From Road to Revival. Why? Because 50 years ago, 1973 is when that infamous Supreme Court decision was handed down that struck down democracy, individual discretion, it totally skewed the prerogatives of the balance of powers. It turned the judiciary, if you will, into a legislative branch. And um, so the recent Dobbs decision that took place on June 24th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, very prophetic, also on the date of Nellie Gray, founder of March for Life's her birthday, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, So some many layering there of prophetic things happening, but 50 years is what this month marks. And to talk about that tonight in just a Moment, We have a very special dear friend and guest whom we've spent the last four days with in Washington, D.C. for the occasion of the March for Life and the Rose Dinner. We participated in a very celebrative atmosphere, but you might say one that was inviting us to be attuned to the heart of God and what we need to be doing now all the more. Anything but on the sidelines, it's a move all the more to transformation of hearts from that first covenant mindset, if you will, the laws which are very consequential, yes, and taking place in the localities throughout the country, but all the more an invitation for you and for me to be attuned to the heart of God. So join me in prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, in this consequential moment in human history, we turn our hearts to you again. You who desire us to know you and love you. You who made every human soul in your own image that you would inhabit us with your spirit and experience that abundance of life. Lord, awaken us to who we are in you, to whose we are. We desire to have pure and holy hearts, minds, and consciences by the blood of the Lamb and the fullness of our Catholic faith. And we invite Lord God, as this message was so beautifully proclaimed these last few days, in a particular way from your little uh, icon, uh, Jonathan Rumi and the Chosen. Just his Catholicism in, in many times that he spoke, Lord, inviting evangelicals, Catholics, all people of goodwill to recognize the powerful gift of the fullness of faith, uniting ourselves in sacrifice that your kingdom may come and your will be done in us and through us. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. And omni Patris, Affiliate Spiritu Sancti. Amen.
1: Mary, mother of life and love. Pray pray for
0: for us. us. So quick commercials, folks. I don't want to speak particularly to men just for a moment. Brothers. Are you passionate for a greater holiness? Are you in need of the support to attain that holiness? Are you frustrated maybe that going to mass and praying novenas and so many programs cycling through are not leaving you in a better place of a godliness in your marriage, in your family, in your world? Do you desire to be united with brothers who are really going after it with a plan and a vision anchored in the heart of our church for that to happen? Well, Lent is just a few short weeks away, yes, and I want to invite you or women to share this with your spouse, your, maybe your your dad, maybe your sons, depending on how old they are, pentecost365.us, pentecost365.us. I encourage you to please just check it out. A great opportunity for men to all the more fully embrace our prophetic role as men in this day and age and to live in the fullness that God calls us to. With no further ado, very, very blessed to have, again, Mm -hmm. our brother and friend Mm -hmm. and colleague in this kingdom-building movement, Jeffrey Barefoot. How are you doing, Jeff?
2: I'm great Greg and
1: Steph. How are you? So good. So, so good. good.
0: So Jeff, um, we have a lot to chat about, but I really want to let you lead because you are a very consequential leader in this pro-life movement, not only in Toledo, not only in Ohio, but throughout this country. You're an attorney, CPA, wealth manager, and all of that, but you devote your heart and mind and your experience to seeing the kingdom come. You're a convert to Catholicism. You've been on Marcus Grodi's program before. Uh, we've been blessed by your wisdom and insight. Um, we know that you've been instrumental in shutting down abortion clinics and drafting legislation that is making a difference You have a keen intellect And a keen love of history And I just see you as somebody Now in your 70s You're not ashamed of that Because it's great wisdom As you pronounce And continue to pronounce It's the best time of your life And I see you Jeff As somebody who's just Pouring yourself out And uh, just giving great wisdom So we want to tap the Jeff Barefoot faucet of Wisdom, and uh, let you lead and share what is consequential, what is consequential flowing from the events of uh, the past f- week in particular, uh, but over 50 years as we look at what, what is God asking of us in this moment in history?
2: Well, th- first of all, thank you for the very kind words, all glory to God for anything in our lives. And uh, hello to all the wonderful listeners that I know follow this show around the country. Uh, We just came off four wonderful days together. Mm -hmm. There was uh, eight of us, three married couples, myself, and uh, a very dear sister and her mother from Mm Austin, Texas. So we prayed together. We ate together. We went to mass together. and We Mm -hmm. marched. And the first thing I want to say is this is being the 50th anniversary and with uh, Dobbs overturning Roe, many thought that the de- the numbers would be significantly down. Hmm. They're not. This is my eighth mm-hmm. march. Um, the numbers were in the tens and tens of thousands. Stunning. I don't think the c- the count number isn't in yet. But to the listeners, if they want to go to lifesteenuse <clears> dot <throat> there's a time lapse motion study of the marchers. It's really phenomenal. Mm. They do it every year and they post it. So. Uh, the syndicated news media can't ignore it or lie about how many people were there. And I know for all of us, we were not only there for the future to continue the fight for the unborn, but we were there, all of us, on a pilgrimage of thanksgiving to God yes, for overturning yes. the horrid decision of Roe versus mm-hmm. Wade and absconding the freedom of the state's. Uh, we can't march and pray for 50 years and then when the victory is handed to us or partial victory, not show up in Thanksgiving. Amen. Mm-hmm. So just to frame this for a minute, what did the Dobbs decision do to Roe uh, for those people listening that don't have a firm grasp on the law before Roe, 37 states in the United States had banned abortion and um in those 37 states, there there was some movement to modify it. Roe took away from all the states the ability of each state to make that abortion decision a political decision of the people, and made it a federal national dis, uh, right that they said was embedded in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not by anything the Founding Fathers did, but because the Supreme Court said it was embedded in the Constitution.
0: Penumbra. In the shadows, right? Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was in the shadows, and we all know when you do, (laughs) even the most (laughs) strong pro-abortion legal professors have taught for generations that the the Roe decision was a raw power grab by the judiciary. Hmm. So Dobbs kicked that back, and all we did was send it back to the states and make it a political decision. Hey, California and New York, if they want to kill babies even after they're born, that's the decision of their of their population. If Texas and Ohio and Tennessee want to ban abortions, that's the freedom of their people. The pro-abortion people don't want that freedom. They're all about freedom for themselves, but they are horrified that places like Oklahoma will not support their abortion issues. So let's look at what's going forward. What's at stake, and what what do we do? Do we continue to march in, in Washington mm-hmm. every year? Um, when we show up, those politicians in New York and California, they don't care that mm. we're there. And they're going to get reelected by their uh, pro-abortion Democrat base over and over again. Mm -hmm. But what does our presence do to our representatives, let's say, from Ohio or Texas? It reinforces their political resolve that my people are here Mm -hmm. to support pro-life. What if we don't show up? How does that resolve and and, um, endorse their belief and if we don't show up they may begin to falter in despair so we have an obligation to continue the national march but we've also shifted this down to the state level and each one of us is going to have to start attending our state marches and mm-hmm. our state programs let's put the money in focus here for a minute the average cost of a first trimester abortion is 600 dollars and 2020 there there were 803,000 let's call it 800,000 abortions in the United States that translates into gross revenue of approximately $480 million wow.
3: in one mm. year
2: most of that's going to planned parenthood wow now let's let's put this right a $480 million business masquerading as a women's rights organization Mm -hmm. to show you how this abortion is really nothing more than a killing business for profit now that uh, abortion is being uh, regulated at the states we're turning we're seeing the abortion industry turn to the pills
3: Mm-hmm.
2: CBS and Walgreen, let's remember both of those are publicly traded stocks, want to get in on the abortion pill business.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: can darn well guarantee you their shareholders and their board of directors wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't big profit in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they won't yeah. So now that's really what's going on behind the curtain. But what the with that kind of money you can really do a lot of public relations damage by recruiting young women to the pro-abortion cause under the lie that killing babies is about freedom.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's about feminine autonomy over their body. It's about power. It's absolutely not about promoting women to have a loving marriage with a husband that deeply loves his wife and his child. Now, if you're a young woman, 17, 18, 19, um, you don't crave power unless you perceive yourself as weak and powerless. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And you, you don't obsess about personal freedom unless you see yourself as oppressed. So what does the Planned Parenthood abortion machine really do? They promote that you are powerless and weak, and you are being oppressed, and you are primarily being weakened and oppressed by the male Christian establishment. That's why they hate the Catholic Church so Mm -hmm. much, right? But what's really behind it is their money and their power and their prestige, At the highest level, Abby Johnson can tell you all about that. Mm -hmm. The salaries, yeah, the salaries that are paid to the state directors are in the, you know, high middle to high six figures. So when you understand what the abortion side is doing with their their argument about women's autonomy and freedom, you really know it's nothing more than a lie for the profits. You know, let, let's take this one step further. Let's shine the light for a minute. We had this beautiful pro-life march, and you two were there with our dear friends. And You know, how? what kinds of people did you see there?
0: Joyful. Peaceful. Intergenerational. Yes. A lot of delight, a lot of joy, prayer, earnestness, kindness. Mm-hmm. All the attributes of the kingdom, as we always speak of this, this is an experience of the kingdom.
2: Yeah, by the tens of thousands. Yep. But then on Sunday, there's the march Women's March. Just look at the name. The name is March for Life. Well, if you're for abortion, wouldn't you have a march on Sunday that would be the march for abortion? But what they do, to my further comment, they twist it. They twist it into a march for women who are being oppressed, Mm. and they don't have power, and they need freedom and autonomy. So right away, their march, which didn't get one-eighth of our support. Their march is for women, not for abortion. And it certainly isn't populated by a broad base of the people you saw. It's not married couples by the thousands. It's despairing, lonely, many post-abortive women that are very sad. So I hope I've set the framework for what we're dealing with. Yes.
0: And just a note, we all come before God who reveals to us a plan of perfect intimacy, the desire of our hearts and the laws that you're speaking of that we do need to attend to We are about them corresponding to that perfect plan that sociologically, physiologically are proven for the good of the human person. And and I would just punctuate here, we're about love because love is what? Desiring the good of another. What parent considers it love to let a child run into the street because they have this impulse or inclination or orientation to run in a busy street? We're about love and we're about making that love known. I can't say strongly enough, To any of you who are listening right now, any women who are in such circumstances, we will do everything we can to care, to love, to provide, including having you in our own home. I'm speaking on behalf of Stephanie and myself, and anywhere in the world where you hear this, I'll say the United States, I don't have control over the world, but we definitely have connections throughout this country. Any of you who are hearing this throughout the country who are in a place of need, we will provide everything we can to care, love, provide for you and the unborn child in your womb. Please continue, Jeff.
2: Well, and to that point, I'm the father of uh, two beautiful four-year-old granddaughters and a t- uh, not even a year old yet son, and third granddaughter will be born in the next two weeks. Aww, praise God. When, when I look at their precious, beautiful lives as young little women, what do you want? You want them to grow up in the joy and love of the Lord, mm-hmm. surrounded by family, not just mothers and grandmothers, but strong uncles, strong grandfathers that provide and protect and good fathers, and that they grow up in that kind of love. Can you imagine wanting your little baby girl to be born and the day she's born saying, oh my goodness, I just hope she grows up to be a CEO and a president and have a big house and have the freedom to have sexual relations with as many partners as her freedom choice. And as many times as she gets pregnant so that it won't get in the way of her career, I hope she can have the joy and freedom of abortion in a free mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. That'll really make her happy. That'll really right. fulfill her. Right. It is, But that's the message mm-hmm. they're sending versus the message of truth and love and compassion that we're sending. So to wrap up what else happened on that day, President Joe Biden, oh. who from... 40 years ago, was not a pro-abortionist, has evolved as the left always does. Their moral and virtues are always fluid. They're always evolving. Mm -hmm. The president actually put out a proclamation on the day of the march. He's trying to rub our noses in it. And he said in that proclamation that Roe was right. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: he was calling for federal regulation of Congress to codify Abortion as an absolute right, and we know where he would want to go with that to the to the very moment of birth. Mm-hmm. He wanted an executive order to require uh medical professionals a few uh when he first got into office to force them to participate in both abortion and sex change if they had a conscientious objection to that. Mm-hmm. He wanted to force that, so in other words Christ, christian Protestant and catholic um medical professionals had been protected from having to to perform abortion or sex change Mm -hmm. surgeries. Well, the the Democrat left-wing part of that party wanted to end that. Now, why did they want to end that? When you think critically, you have to go through this and say, well, what's their goal? Their goal is one of two things, either to get you to violate your conscience, which they know most most Christian medical professionals won't do that, or— to force you out of the medical field. And I'm here to tell you, that is exactly the yeah. goal, as you saw during COVID. COVID absolutely. They, they, they want the Christian nurses and doctors out of the medical profession totally, and in many cases out of the military service, so that they can dominate with their mm-hmm. atheistic death wish culture all of our life, mm-hmm. access to medical care you know, access to medical schools. The goal isn't to to uh, force you to create, to participate in the abortion, because there's plenty of medical professionals that are doing that. If we had 803,000 abortions in 2020, how, how is there an access to that issue? Right. The point mm-hmm. is to force Christians out of the marketplace totally. And of course, we know much of this is predicted in Scripture, so...
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's what you're fighting with. So um, w- let's, let's look for the future, this idea that law and politics is downstream from culture. We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think not. I think law and culture walk hand together. They walk hand in hand together. We, we've just seen how powerful law is by the Dobbs decision. The consequence of the Dobbs decision, for example, in Tennessee, is Planned Parenthood shut down all their abortion centers. That's a lot of money Mm. and a lot of jobs lost. Mm. So they're enraged. Their business model was based on a national abortion right. Well, when when the abortion right is shifted to the states, and some states make abortion less hospitable, their business model is collapsing. The losses to their bottom line are horrid. So we can see law does law and politics are huge. Mm. And now we're looking at places like Ohio is a very um, pro-life state. Texas is massive. Let's give you some perspective on just one state like Texas. So Texas went from 2,600 abortions in June of this year and by August or 2022, and by August of twenty twenty two right after Dobbs came out, it dropped from twenty six hundred in June to only three in August. Do you understand what that means wow. literally wiped twenty six hundred a month in in uh June to three so amazing and you know what we're we're not seeing women die in Texas from having babies right right right, right? so but what about California, and New York, where they're going to be providing abortions in New Mexico? They're going to be providing abortions five times what they were doing to get people from other states. So we're not going to be able to fight the battle in California and New York anywhere but in the area of culture. And what is culture? Culture is ultimately about religion. Every major society from the beginning of time, the culture was based on some form of religion, either natural or revealed.
3: Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. And so the work that you're doing, the two of you, is really to drive culture through religion, and in the United States of America, and in all of the West, and now really basically everywhere in the world, what is the single religion that's driving culture in love and mercy? It's Christ. It's
3: mm-hmm. Christianity. Yes, amen. Look at the history
2: of our own—look at the history of England. Who was responsible for ending the slave trade in England? The great Christ- Christian William, William Wilberforce. Yes, yes. Who, how was slavery ended in the U.S. by the Christian abolitionists?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How was the universal franchise to vote given by Christians— Who were the freedom marchers in the 1960, in 1963 and 64 in the South? They were Catholics. Mm -hmm. Who overturned the Jim Crow laws? Yeah, it was culture and politics, but who was on the front end of it? Mm -hmm. Well, it was, it was religion. Mm -hmm. And that religion is Christianity. So what's the ultimate, what's the ultimate use of our time? and our power and our love that God gives us the ultimate use of our time and our power and our love is to m- promote the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in a clear mm-hmm. in a clear and orthodox way mm-hmm. if if I'm a non-christian and I've been through this when I was younger and I'm looking at christianity do i want a christianity that has no orthodoxy is really just claiming to be a Christian, Christ, you know, a Christian religion, but it's nothing more than a, a left-wing political um, philosophy calling itself Christianity. Well, why do I? Why would I need that? I'm perfectly fine as a, as, as an atheist or uh, an agnostic in in that same worldview. What's going to attract people to faith? Is, is the truth of the gospel, mm. the clear orthodox truth of the gospel as exposing the word of God, as exposing the Catholic faith. So what we're really excited about after the march, I think, is how do you get from law and politics and now fighting the battle at the state level and, and people say, oh, well, it's cultural. Well, actually, the great news is
1: the gospel. Mm. Hmm. Jeff, if I could interrupt for one second. So good, everything you're saying. And again, Mm -hmm. just so grateful to you for being with us and sharing the great wisdom and uh, rooted in the love of the Lord, everything that you're saying. Um, Two thoughts quickly on my end. One, the gospel certainly is a gospel of love, right? So I think of what we've talked about before, and you asked the question, what kind of people did we see there? And then Greg shared his heart, our heart, about helping anybody in need. That was also a huge population there, right? You had so many ministries and organizations represented who want to help women in need, right? To help those babies, to help the women once or through pregnancy and then once they're born, like vendor after vendor, right? in, in their displays and certainly so many, uh, signs and organizations throughout the march, right? Just wanting to be that presence of love and not just, you know, versus the women's march. This, you know, you described it well. You know, what, who looks at this little tiny baby girl and thinks all those awful things? No, right? It's that, you know, just protection and presence and love. So on that side, we have the gospel of love, right? And then you mentioned Joe Biden. And I could literally feel my blood boiling, and I just I had to be biting my tongue while you were talking. Mm-hmm. And where's the love of a man who not only claims to be a Christian, but a Catholic Christian? And I just get so frustrated and um, and angry, right, that he is still claims to be this devout Catholic, and very few leaders and people speak out against. How wrong and evil his even proclamation of that is. You know, you mentioned his, um, you know, the insults, rubbing our noses in it on the anniversary, during the March, right? You know, of trying to codify Roe. And then um, on the actual anniversary, pushing, and you know the details much more than I, I just saw headlines, but, you know, the abortion pill and, you know, just pushing that and pushing that and pushing that. And so my blood boiling, though, turns to, Okay, Stephanie, are you praying for him? Are you fasting Mm -hmm. for him? So, I guess I'm just, I feel the Spirit's putting on my heart a, a, a proclamation, perhaps, to our listeners, you know, as much as we get frustrated and angry. And I do think he should, technically, he's excommunicated himself, right, by his actions. But it'd be nice
0: To hear that proclaimed and articulated. (laughs) But
1: that's a topic for another time. But just that whole, okay, I need to be praying and fasting for him as much as I get angry at him. And maybe that's where the Lord's calling us this Lent, you know, to, to, for some of those practices, um, to be directed toward his conversion, right? His salvation for his soul. Just all of that, you know. Anyway, I digress, but just wanted, just felt like the need to say that. So that is also love. A
0: quick comment before back to you, Jeff. This coming Sunday, we are drawn deep into Beatitudes. They're they're consequential because... Christ is not simply speaking to our external behavior, performance level uh, of relationship with God, which we know throughout the Old Testament was given to us to demonstrate we can't live it, we can't do it of our own power. We need the grace, we need the, the sacrifice of the cross and baptism uh, that allows our hearts to be attuned to God, the Jeremiah 31, 33, you know, that our the law would be written on our hearts. So we get this great Sermon on the Mount, we get the Beatitudes, and in particular, I think the centerpiece of that is the heart of this. It's the elephant in the room. Uh, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart. And what I mean by that is um, the heart of this movement, if, if every law allowed abortion, but every heart was transformed, it wouldn't matter. And I might suggest that what is the nature of that transformation? John Paul II spoke of this, the sexual urge is ordered towards God. The heart of the sexual urge, which of us don't have it, the the heart of the sexual urge is an urge to a completion that can only be found in God. So I pose the question, if that sexual urge ordered by God for him were rightly transformed, We'd be a society of saints. Which human being doesn't know the power of the sexual urge? It drives the porn industry. It drives just everything that we're speaking about. If this was rightly ordered, rightly transformed, we would find a kind of contemplative, holy intimacy in God, an order, a self-mastery, all that we're yearning for, uh, ordered in him and in him a right order with others. So I do believe... That's the, you know that is the ultimate battle. That's the Ephesians six twelve. We fight not against flesh and blood. It's for each of us. And my hand is in the air as a married man who loves his wife, loves his kids, goes to mass. The ever greater transformation of that urge that God has given me, and to recognize it's given for a wholeness destined to be in and with Him for all eternity.
2: Well, those comments are great. First, to Stephanie's comments. You know, we have a we have a bishop in our diocese that you. You, you really couldn't ask for him to do that. Fabulous. Um, and I know personally, mm-hmm. um, some of the things he's done behind the scenes that required enormous courage. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Um, had the bishops and the leaders, and particularly the Holy Fathers, taken the position to, in charity and love, correct our leading national politicians Mm -hmm. that were moving towards abortion, we would have never gotten this far. I can absolutely guarantee that. Mm -hmm. Before Roe, this was a state political issue. Mm. After Roe, when the money started rolling in, I want the listeners to understand that kind of money. What's really behind this? Are people really obsessed with death? No. They're obsessed with money. Now, once... The abortion industry becomes a mega, mega hundreds of millions of business. Their business model is going to use that money to buy politicians to lobby for greater and greater expansion of their business model. So they start giving tens of millions of dollars to the party that will support the expansion of their business model. Mm-hmm. And who did that end up being? Who were the leading Catholics that we watched change? You know, one time the Kennedy family was a very pro-life family. Right. Yeah. Mm. But, yep. Well, we watched Ted Kennedy. We watched all the Kennedys drift toward abortion. We watched Joe Biden, who said, "Get you know, get, if you challenge my faith, I'll hit you with my rosaries. Right. I mean, what a joke. <laughs> right. We watched him become, years before— uh, saying, I'm, you know, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, mm-hmm. to I want abortion to the very moment that the head is crowning. Mm-hmm. On
0: demand.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: On demand without any restriction at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had even John Paul come out and had private conversations with these politicians as you know, the the bishop in San Francisco has done with Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have been in this position. And so he, you you've got Biden issuing this and where was for example where was the Archbishop of Washington DC in any of these marches? Right. Silent. Mm-hmm. Well why?
0: You know, are you asking the question? I have my thoughts on it, or is it a hypothetical?
2: Well, yeah. Why? Why is he silent?
0: You know, I, I think there is an ungodly fear of the opinion of man that surpasses fear of the opinion of God, and a misplaced uh, awareness of the authority, appointing an authority given to them to speak prophetic truth uh, to the depths of souls beyond the spirit of the age.
2: Yes. The real truth is inside the church at some of the highest levels in the United States, you have uh, bishops and priests that, that are actually in favor of looser rules regarding abortion. So that's Stephanie's comment, and it's, I don't know any pro-life Catholics and even Protestants that point to Rome and say, we've been let down. Mm-hmm. Had this been done, and now thankfully there are a few small brave bishops that are standing up and and going after this
0: we're not meant to put our reason. In, in lowercase J judgment on the sidelines. Catechism 1778 judgment is an evaluation. It's not an ultimate condemnation that is reserved for God alone in that biblical sense do not judge. but we are called to judge in the small J sense of what is the good, beautiful and true informed by the church. But there are shortcomings and oh by the way, we have our own shortcomings and and here's the thing. because we fall short, of, of God's uh, ultimate high goal of us doesn't mean we erase it and presume it doesn't exist. That's the wrong move. The right move is, no, God reveals in the fullness of his church a truth that we are to aspire to with the grace of the sacraments and as a community uh, with repentance at the heart of it, which means to turn, right? So that we're, we're, we're pursuing that because it's the only hope of fulfillment and happiness. So that's what you're speaking about. It's not a, hey, I'm pointing this finger at culture. It's how about we got in the game and did that together and recognize that's why Christ gives us his church, to aspire to holiness destined for eternity.
2: Exactly. You know, when I go to the march and when I rub elbows and do things in the Northwest Ohio area, let's say, for example, our our benefit for life dinner or our sidewalk counseling work or the work we're doing that so many um, pregnancy centers are, you know, are doing. What I see alongside my brother, Catholic brothers and sisters, I find the most incredible uh, stalwart, loving mm-hmm. Protestant Christians, evangelicals. Yes. And I've watched this from years before when I was an evangelical for 30 years and involved in the pro-life movement. I admired the Catholics that were putting themselves willing to go to jail, And I concluded that the greatest ecumenical work in the United States today where Protestant brothers and sisters who love the Word of God meet their Catholic brothers and sisters on the field of courage and Mm -hmm. love is precisely in the pro-life movement. Absolutely. Beautiful. No other place do you find the kind of camaraderie and love, and that is by the hand of God's design. Mm -hmm. So we're not only trying to save the lives of his children. But we are breaking down barriers of misunderstanding that have existed from the Reformation between brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I'm uniquely happy to, to be in it because I've been on both sides. I've been a pro-lifer on the evangelical side and now a pro-lifer for 20 years on the Catholic side we 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 had a wonderful woman join us on our, at the dinner table who's one of the involved in one of the most amazing ministries and she's you know she's the daughter of a of a pastor she's got a son who's a missionary mm. just incredible the way we interact with one yes. another yep so there's a really great source of encouragement on that and regarding the the love comment you made earlier Greg on the the willingness to help Uh, women that are pregnant that are not married and need help, I want the listeners to understand the number of pregnancy centers giving loving, low-cost, or no-cost at all support Mm -hmm. in the United States is 4,000. Wow. Wow! 4,000. Now, that is not a for-profit model that's bringing in $480 $480 million a year we're all all of them are out fundraising to get the money just to keep these centers open mm-hmm. 4000 now what's the response of the political pro-abortion left well we've already seen it they're trying to close them they yeah, want a federal law funds. to close yeah. them down because they're giving misinformation
3: mm-hmm. and
2: they're, they're lying to women what well, they don't even want women who not who choose not to have right. abortion to have any loving support. They want mm. abortion to be the only choice. Yep.
0: It's betraying the fact that they're not truly pro-choice. They're not for the choice of a mother choosing her child and being supported. Let's just state that.
2: Oh, no, because it doesn't fit the business model. Mm-hmm. Once you realize it's all about the money for them, you strip away the whole... St- women's rights women's love and all that you strip all that away because it's not it's about the business model so when you see people lying institutions lying politicians lying even in our own personal relationships when you see people lying people lie out of fear you know they lie out of shame and fear and the the, the pro-aborts have been doing nothing but lying since the fall of Do- of Roe, mm-hmm. because they're afraid they're they're going to collapse. And then one last comment I want to make on why we're optimistic is shortly after Roe fell, a whole chorus of national Jewish leaders that have been leading the pro-abortion movement began to come out and say, now this is amazing. It's
0: ridiculous.
2: Abortion is a Jewish religious right. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, who who knew? How come we never heard this from the Jewish pro-abortionists for over 50 years? Mm. As soon as Roe fell, they began to hold national conferences claiming that it was a religious right, so that they could get First Amendment protection for killing babies mm. as a religious right, right? When that kind of stuff starts to happen, you know that we're winning. Mm. <laughs> right, <laughs> Who makes right. up a theology of fifty years? Um, you, you know that just came out. So you have all line all these things up. Um, the number of people that showed up, the love that we saw, and the power that we saw for life uh, at the march. The, the wonderful ecumenical nature of of evangelicals and Catholics coming together, the um, financial collapse of, of some of the abortion centers in states like Tennessee,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, the crazy new theology, the, quote, Catholic president, who is now uh, in the pocket of the abortion business model, when you see all this, uh, the emergence of, of a handful of courageous bishops in the United States, many pro-life priests—you know—when you see all these things lining up, um, there's just every reason in the world to continue to fight. And you know, the year before the year before uh, Dobbs, many in the pro-life side were saying, "Well, you know, Roe will never be overturned." Mm-hmm. Ever. It'll never be overturned, and we have to be cautious and move slowly. Well, God overturned Roe. It yes, was overturned. Yeah. And yeah. so, you, you, you know, we can't cut the word short. Um, so I hope those are comments that are helpful to our listeners.
1: Yes, and, and again, politics matters. Voting matters. You know, you, the overturn of Roe mattered because of the judges that were placed there god used them um so just want to make that comment also as uh you know people think about elections elections do have consequences and say what Mm -hmm. you will about donald trump he was a man of his word to get good judges in there knowing that it was instrumental if there was any possibility of overturning roe jeff
0: we know the Grand Slam home run, of course, is Christ fully alive in all of us who made us for himself and living it out. And we're all in that process, right? And it's, it's messy. It's ugly and, and it always has been. Um, I want to ask you, though, from a legal standpoint, what is a Grand Slam home run on behalf of the unborn? Federal law, well, uh, amendment?
2: Well, no, no, it can't be federal. If, although there are those in the pro-life movement that are trying to, trying to call for that, we know the enemy is going to be fighting for some kind of federal codification, which would only have to be, you know, go to the court. Now, we got, we got from Roe to where we were from Dobbs by politics of, of pro-life Democrats getting elected and getting pro-abortion, or pro, pro-abortion Democrats getting elected and putting on the Supreme Court pro-abortion judges. That got reversed. So at the federal level, we were arguing that this belongs as a political level at the state. If we try and force something federally, we're hypocrites. Well, the best thing would be constitutional recognition by the courts that abortion is not, is not a, a constitutional right under the state constitution's and, you know, many are calling for constitutional amendments at the state level, denying the right to abortion um, or, yeah. And my own personal opinion is, well, let's get a, a case or two coming before, for example, the Ohio Supreme Court or the Oklahoma Supreme Court, demanding that there's a constitutional right in the Ohio state constitution for abortion and have the judges say, no, there's not, there isn't. Well, what what are they going to do then appeal to the United States Supreme court? They can't, the court, the court is closed in Washington for that issue. So the grand slam is making sure every one of us knows who's running for the Supreme court positions in our state. That now becomes more important than knowing who's going to run for your um, county Commissioner. Um, so, state constitutional judicial rulings denying a state constitutional right to abortion. What does that do? That then makes the pro abortion side go to their state legislatures and get a law passed allowing abortion. Well, that wouldn't happen in Ohio,
3: hmm.
2: it might happen in Michigan. It might happen in Connecticut, but it's not going to happen in Indiana.
3: <laughs> you know, mm-hmm.
2: so, so that's the strategy is we have to get our money and our time and our energy and our efforts to our state Supreme Court races. They're vital, and they're really vital.
0: So let me ask you a layman's question. Uh, Robbie George, a few years ago, put this idea in, in our minds from a talk he gave here in Toledo, Ohio. In so many words, he said, if we're going to use the modern methodology of DNA testing to determine the personhood of a convicted criminal, shouldn't we be consistent in the very same methodology in determining the personhood of an unborn child? If we're going to be consistent, which is a lot what law is about, principles consistently applied, why doesn't that land us on a judicious, i.e., just consistent determination or application of the 5th and 14th Amendments to an unborn child. Why isn't it a federal thing uh, that just as my life should be protected federally, that an unborn child's life should be protected federally?
2: Well, I mean, that's a great observation. And if we get the Supreme Court of the United States to ever have a case on personhood, where they declare that personhood, um, a child in the womb is a person— if they get to that point, then you have a whole different you have a whole different realm throughout the country. If that, let's say that would happen in um, California, is the leader of abortion um, on the basis of personhood, would you not go to the attorney general and ask for an ombudsman
3: mm-hmm. to
2: stand in on every abortion decision under the Fourteenth Amendment mm. to protect the, the child that's in the womb, who obviously is a person. Mm. Well, then if you do that, you're going to slow down every abortion by the time there's a... Then you'd have to have abortion courts and so forth. Mm-hmm. It could really rip chaos. I mean, the Lord could do that. But I am I think that's, so far, the Supreme Court, as it now stands, is unwilling to
3: take mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that
2: up. It, watch carefully what happens in New York and California, and compare that to states like Texas and Oklahoma, and hopefully maybe Ohio, what we're now going to have is what we wanted before Roe is we're now going to have laboratories of states. We're going to watch mm, exactly what happens to the moral, what's going to happen to the moral background, the moral fiber of people in California New York, what's going to happen to their economies, what's going to happen to their political system when they're allowing the death of children up to the ninth month mm. versus watching states like Texas and and oklahoma and ohio and who who are trying to honor life will their economies grow will their families become stronger mm-hmm. well the hand of an almighty god will speak to this <laughs> yes in the Amen. hand of god will where might where might we be 10 years down the road when the laboratory statistics are in
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i mean with in this in northwest ohio there's another conversation of one well-known hospital.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's now in complete financial chaos and I'm going to say it was because of their position on abortion. Mm-hmm. Amen. I can almost prove. That. Hey
0: Jeff, with with the limited time we have here, I want to frame a final question that you are very competent to respond to and I would set it up this way. We recognize the battle that it turns to the states and our need to be engaged and informed, as Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. We should be challenged by that. All of you who are listening, we can't be silent. We need to be formed. We need to be engaged. Point Point one, point two, unity and the John 17 kind of unity for which Christ prayed. And I just want to punctuate from the Christian side when Catholics rediscover their evangelical wings And evangelicals discover their Catholic roots will be one church Mm -hmm. lifting this planet to eternity. So I want to punctuate that. But thirdly, set just for this concluding moment, you've been at the heart of some real difficult challenges among pro-life, significant pro-life groups in the state of Ohio, the unity of Mm -hmm. which… The unity of which, the unity of which is a clarion necessity and call for us to see the kingdom come and to see the protection of human life and love of mothers and fathers and restoration of family happen is absolutely essential. Can you share with us a little bit of that landscape and your hopes for unity? Just give us a profile of what's been going on and what what should we be praying for and hoping to happen in the state of Ohio in the pro-life movement?
2: Yeah, well, you're making reference to your father and Peter Range on the Ohio Right to Life board. And I was uh, one of the f- uh, co-founders of the Right to Life Action Coalition that came out of Ohio Right to Life many years about five, six, seven years ago, over philosophical disputes, primarily about would Roe ever be overturned and exceptions. If Roe wasn't going to be overturned, on ex- then, then you had to make exceptions. You know, rape, mm-hmm. incest, health of the mother, primarily. And when Roe was standing, there was controversy in Ohio about how do we fight Roe, and it 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 tended towards disunity because people of goodwill had strong difference opinions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and often when there's a strong difference of opinion, it gets competitive, kind of like you know, football. Yes, games. it gets it gets it can go from friendly friendly rivalry, it can get very competitive.
0: Enemy gets in there. Where we're
2: at now, where we're at now post row is the demand for unity is even more. I think the Lord's calling us for that kind of unity. And I'm hopeful that there will be one statewide pro-life organization where we can really lock down the right to life for the babies in the state of Ohio. Once you ship, uh, and by the way, um, the Roe will fall side was right. The row to, the Roe will fall side was vindicated by Roe falling. Mm-hmm. Yes. So all those people can bring that back into a unified organization, and we're hopeful that, that that might be able to happen. I'm no longer on the board of the Right to Life Action Coalition. I'm very involved with Toledo. Um, I'm a plaintiff in a lawsuit here. Um, I'm involved in working on legislation, but you raise a good point. The unity, and I believe that will happen. I believe you're gonna start seeing that all over the country for pro-life organizations within the states to solid up um, and become unified with their Catholic and evangelical volunteers all over. Last thing I'll say to the dear listeners is you might not be at a stage of life where you can volunteer. You might be busy with your children and your work and your career, but those days will come. I'm volunteering at a much higher level now than when I was a young father raising children running a business. Mm-hmm. But you can write a check,
3: mm-hmm.
2: maybe for $100. If you can't write a check, you do have time to pray. Mm-hmm. Pray for us. Please pray. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have. Mm-hmm. There's nothing even a close second. And then, the you know when you're in the pro life side it's messy and it's ugly and it's dark and there's so many rays of light and for me personally what it does is it humbles me and humiliates me to run make me drive for greater holiness in my own life i i can't i can't be perfect but god can use me if i'm trying and striving you know to fight my sin battle and live for greater holiness. Mm-hmm. Everybody I know in the pro-life movement is doing that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Everybody there is taking personal holiness at a deadly serious level.
1: Amen. Um, another awesome thing about the annual March for Life is it gives uh, an opportunity for constituents to meet with their representatives and senators and such. And um Jim Jordan I just want to give a, a shout out to him in praise and thanksgiving <laughs> to almighty God for his leadership and what he continues to do um and uh you know the row from row to revival some words that he gave, um, which you had sent us this article, Jeff, that that, that he gave the pro-lifers who came to see him in his room. He said, it takes a willingness to assume the risk associated with trying to do something worthwhile because you get involved in politics today and you're going to get attacked. The left is coming after you, the cancel culture mob. But you guys do it because life is that special, mm. that precious, that sacred, and you were willing to fight the good fight and keep the faith and make it happen. Jeff, thank you for the witness that you have shown us and so mm. many um Uh, epitomizing those words and I I pray that those words are encouragement to our listeners that the battle is the Lord's and we need to armor up in his word and his love and his grace and keep going and doing it with love and joy and knowing that he has the victory but we can't rest yet.
0: Two final commercials folks particularly men right now go to pentecost365.us And above, I forgot to mention before, you'll click on the 2023, Lent 2023, we're calling it uh, Endeavor or Endurance. Endurance, based upon the Shackleton trip. Check it out. Read the short little letter and invite. Join us. Commercial number two as an organization, Mass Impact. We are um, so excited about how God is blessing us to really be at the heart of this. Marriage and family, discovering God more fully alive. We have a special occasion for our monthly and substantial benefactor. We're switching Belief and Beverage Nights to be a phenomenal occasion with great speakers uh, in our home by the fireplace to hear some great speakers. Um, So you can check that out, and we do invite you to become a monthly supporter uh, for this mission. We rely upon you. So for that, go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB, massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Thank you so much for being with us. Greg and Stephanie Schlier, Ignite Radio Live. So blessed to be named by Spotify as one of the top podcasts last year, top 10% of shares and uh, subscribers. Blessed to be united in building the kingdom. Until next time, God bless you.